my name is going on these things and I want to do the best I can. I want to make sure everyone else looks the best they can. And that just pushes you to try even harder. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut to Reveal podcast, where we talk about the editing art form. Today, Peter and I got to talk to Mike Hugo. Yeah, Mike is someone who was an assistant editor for uh, Sean Baker on The Florida Project, which is uh, one of my favorite feature films. Uh, and, you know, Mike has been working in post-production for over a decade, uh, mm-hmm. so he has a lot of experience. Um, and he's clearly someone that is very passionate about editing art form, what we can do as editors to influence how so- how stories are being told about filmmaking He's, yeah, he's truly passionate about about this stuff. Yeah, it was great talking to him. And he basically let us in on his newest project, or at least the project that he just finished up, which is a horror thriller called Hypochondriac, which seems to be shrouded in mystery because if you go online, there's not even a trailer. There's only a poster. It definitely premiered at South by Southwest, but he gives us some insight on the making of the film, working with the director and about the film in general. So it's all really exciting. It was great. This was a great it was a great time talking with Mike. So, yeah. and with that, let's listen to Mike Hugo. Roll the tape. Sort of my same thing is, you know, I lived in LA for 18 years, right out of college, uh, basically learned all the tech stuff. And I've cut, yeah, skate videos, uh, some commercials, a lot of corporate, shorts, features, documentaries. And to this day, I'm still I'm I'm juggling between a documentary and a corporate thing right now. And it's, you know, make ends meet. It's feature films can go for four to six months. And it's like, what are you going to do in between? You know, they don't line up exactly back to back. And as being a freelancer, you're you you're unemployed for a month. and You're like, man, I should have gone on a trip or something. And then, (laughs) then of course, you find a job. It's just one of those things where you're never it's difficult and you just got to kind of roll with it. And so um, it's, it's a trip for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's always like when it rains, it pours. I like to say in like a positive way, maybe (laughs) negative where it's like just this week uh, I was doing some editing, just like personal stuff. And then I got this job yesterday, which is a deadline tomorrow. And then somebody (laughs) else hit me up and they're like, Hey, do you want some work? And I'm like, yes. So it's just like, just things keep hitting, hitting, hitting. And because totally. I'm a freelancer, I'm like, I can't not turn this down because I don't know when I'll work again. <laughs> so it's so true. I think it was like two, three films ago. I, I signed on to it. And then of course, like three other things popped up, like right when I did it. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, and I don't, I really don't bail on my gigs because I, I like to see it through, mm-hmm, um, yeah. you know? And so it's, it's difficult for me to really part ways because you have such a connection with your clients or your director or producers or whoever. And it's difficult. It is. It, when it rains, it pours and you put out as many buckets as you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and from there, it's sort of just like, you know, it, it does dry up for everybody. And that's something, especially with pandemic that happened, like mm-hmm. production oh. shut down in LA. We were in the middle of a film and we're waiting to do pickups and they wouldn't let anyone shoot. Mm-hmm. And so we were on hold for like a month or two and then finally production opened up, but it was skeleton crew only. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed yeah. to go on set. So they actually zoomed me into the camera so I could actually see what they were shooting. <laughs> yeah. I was screen capturing it and dropping it into my project and going, okay, guys, that's a little short. That's a little long. And basically directing through the camera, which was oh, wow. awesome. Yeah. And it was it was one of those where I'm like, wow, is this the future of editing? 
Um, but at the same time, I, I think I was sitting for like six hours like, hey, guys, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got to back off here because you're you're just stuck in your chair all day because you're on set, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, that was really cool and very different for sure. We had talked to somebody in a previous episode who kind of did the same thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Was it I don't know what was it? Would they use a tarot deck or something to use that? Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, it was but, but, something but, like, like that. The, the point was that, like, uh, we've mentioned that um, Frame.io has this feature cloud to uh, camera to cloud workflow, yep. right? Yep. Which allows you to, like, send you proxy versions of what has been shot on set right away, uh, which yeah, is perfect. Totally, but, which is awesome. Yeah. As long as you're in an, a internet-friendly area, yeah, that's the yeah. one thing a lot of these features are bad cell reception, you know, even a lot of the... Uh, Someone was doing an interview for a dock somewhere and they were like in, it was like a metal cage almost. And even the logs and stuff were having issues. And I'm like, you're never getting anything out of there. So it is yeah. it's one of those. I think it's a great idea because it takes a lot of work off of the DIT's hands because a lot of time they're freaking out trying to push things through as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have it be correct than expedited. Um, you yeah. know, and that's the big thing because as you guys know, it's, once it comes to us, it's kind of like, okay, I hope it was done correctly or else everything's going to unravel and you got to fix it. And it yeah. stops you down for being creative, um, which again is my biggest, my biggest point is I don't want technology interfering with the creative side. You yeah, know, right. as soon as you hitch on that and especially your clients do, it's throw everything against the wall, guys. I'll tell you if I can't do it, you know, we'll find someone that can, or is it possible whatsoever? And so that's kind of where I think that, you know, Frame.io is pushing the bounds here. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that Adobe acquired them because it's just creating this sort of atmosphere where it's kind of turnkey, where you really don't have to go far and you can do so much um, with what's at your fingertips. And the other thing I always say, too, is like you can have a laptop, you can have a really not the greatest computer and you can still do everything and anything oh, yeah. anybody wants, totally. which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 up to everybody to do what they want to do. <laughs> Especially now that you you can actually have like a cloud computer, which, yeah. you know, you can run like on very old laptop and you can have like a powerful machine. That's, yeah. We were, I was talking um, with one of my uh, tech friends and we were doing trials for running, trying to figure out how to get dual screen out of Adobe Cloud Service. And because the proxy basically that stuff can transcode so fast and, you know, it's really, you're paying by the minutes. So you're not using it all the time. You can turn it off, turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adobe also does their, their file storage. So they'll actually come, you can ship a drive to them. They'll upload all your data mm-hmm. and you only pay for bringing down certain things. And mm-hmm. so it was really cool trying to think of, okay, well, how could this be helpful to us where I don't have to have all these hard drives here and people can basically just upload things and I can pull down if I need to, but it can all live there. And, you know, creating that kind of uh, shared server instead of it being an edit bay with, you know, multiple editors and assistants, it could actually be, that could be across the US, it could be across the world and there's no latency, Um, you know, so it is, it's exciting to see where this is going to be going, you know, just the steps it's it's taken in the last five years is like huge. Oh, for sure. It's a cliche, but we live in the future, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So true. (laughs) I think I pulled out uh, 
the wife was like, oh, can you edit this real quick? And I'm like, what am I going to edit this on? I pull out my phone. I was like, oh, yeah, I got Adobe Rush on my phone. I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally sitting here editing on my phone going, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that. impossible. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I've had that experience, too, when I was like, future is now, like, three or four years ago on my phone editing like a corporate spot while I was shooting it on the same scene, like in the mountains at like a ski resort. And it's like, I'm sitting in a hall. (laughs) Yeah. And like you said too, it's like, I remember three quarters too. Like that's where you're going from that to your phone. Like, it's like, that's mind blowing. Like, you know, even just the, the tapes and XD cam, basically uh, DVDs, you know, all going away. Like that's Mm -hmm. just so insane. And, you know, my concern is always the longevity of the hard drives, you know, all yeah. things die yeah. Yeah. and codecs, you know, I always have these debates with people of what codec are you going to store it in, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah. okay, you're yeah. not going to go to a um, data magnetic track. Uh, LTO basically. tape? That's what you mean? LTO. There we uh, go. There we go. Yes. LTO. LTO. Thank you. We got there. Where we see. We you, can do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have the internet. <laughs> um, but there was, you know, a lot of insurance companies want major films to mm-hmm. back up on that as a safety. Yeah. And, you know, because it is, it's, it's not a spinning disc and, you know, those yeah, kind of things, yeah, it's ones yeah. and zeros. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely interesting where this whole industry is going and how accessible yeah. it is, is the number one. So yeah, LTO tapes are like, you know, old technology, but the entry point though is a little bit high, not for a freelancer like me. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I remember trying to pull stuff off of there a long time ago. Someone shot something on a Viper and we were onlining in a Quantel Pablo, which is like an amazing online system. But I was like, oh man, I got on our terminal code. Like I'm sitting there going like, oh, please don't type the wrong thing. Like I just, yeah, it's definitely difficult. Mike, if you could give us like more context about like what your most re- recent project is, we haven't been able to watch it. It's not accessible yet, right? So if you can like, correct, you know. uh, my last film that came out is called Hypochondriac. Uh, it premiered a uh, world premiere at South by Southwest, and it was a uh, labor of love, which was awesome. And um, it came from me from a producer from a previous film. He said, "I think you'd be perfect for this." Uh, first-time feature director, and he also co-wrote it, uh, Addison Heyman, who is super talented, and we hit it off immediately when we first uh, met, and I loved the script because you could tell it's mostly um, his personal, it's based off of his personal life, Mm. and so there's there's a weird connection there, and what it is, it's basically a horror thriller, basically about a mental breakdown uh, of the main character, Will. And his mom is a diagnosed schizophrenic. And uh, basically, he's going into this uh, breakdown thinking that he might be schizophrenic also. And so you're seeing this deterioration, this questioning, this sort of chaos uh, go on through the film. And it kind of gets worse and worse and worse. To me, it was so important because it has such big tones about mental health and telling people to ask for help. You know, it's everyone goes through times in their life where they need help. You know, you could be the strongest person in the world. They're still going to need help with something. And this conjures that up. And it struck a chord with a lot of people in South by Southwest that have had similar situations or have never seen anything like this. You know, it was such an interesting project to go through because, you know, we're, we're telling his story, but we're also making it, you know, bumping up the insanity meter is what we kept saying is how far can we push it? And so 
you know, having these moments of, oh my God, this happened to you. And, you know, he hurt his arms and he didn't know what was going on. And so there's, and the title comes hypochondriac because he's like, there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. And so it kind of goes down this rabbit hole and, you know, it was so much fun working with him because it was like, are you okay? Are we doing this right? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. We had this one scene where basically we, the producer and I were cutting it with Addison and he got all quiet and we both looked at him and he just was like, I got to go. And he had to go for a walk and he came back and I was like, oh shit, did we do something wrong? And he's like, no, that was perfect. Like you brought up the emotion I had and that's what I want to convey to the audience. And so we were like, oh my God, that's so awesome. It was so nice for him to be able to share that Mm -hmm. because you are, sometimes you're tippy toeing and as you guys know, when you're editing, you spend a lot of time with people and a lot of it you can take as personal, but it's not. And it's just, you know, there's different ways, different experiences. I have a different tool set. He has a different tool set. And so it was a fun project to sort of go through um, because it was, it was, it was different and we did kind of try some different things and, you know, it's probably the fastest feature I've locked the story itself uh, within probably five, six weeks, five, six, yeah, five, six weeks, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Cause usually you're like, Oh, this isn't working. This isn't working. And we are like, the story is killing it right now. Now we get to have fun. Now we get to see like, okay, what do we want to pull out? What do we want to do? What do we want to add? You know, let's start working on some sound design. Let's start thinking about music and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was fun. It was a great project and definitely proud of it. And, you know, hopefully more eyeballs be on it soon. I think it was acquired by XYZ films and, will be released in theaters and streaming, I think, later this year, I think. Um, And I just, I'm ready to show people. That's probably the hardest part after some of these projects is like, I can't show anything. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, and currently I'm cutting a documentary and, um, you know, it's a total sort of brain twist where, Mm -hmm. you know, I love features because you're locked into kind of a, a playground where with documentaries, you're kind of, it's, it could be a city, it could be a state, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you can go any which way, yeah. but with, you know, features, you're a little more contained. You can still be super creative, um, but documentaries can go any which way and you don't know it until you start getting into it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially as an editor going through hours and hours and hours and hours of interviews, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's a writing process. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the last yeah that's the third writing of the film yeah. you know and that's yeah. what i i, I say yeah. that to every single director especially yeah. if they're the director and the writer like do you know the three phases of film the script production and post and yeah. it's gonna change no matter how much money or how little money you have it always changes and so as long as they're flexible with that i know they're creative and i know you know the biggest thing is this is a collaborative process and you can't just do it yourself. And if you think you can, it may not be the right profession for you because you are going to have to make changes. You are going to have to do things you may not like. Um, but at the same time, you're going to do things, you're going to push things that you do like and they're going to love it. And so it's really sort of this delicate balance of trying and experimenting and it's fun. You know, I'm sure you guys have fun with it too, where it's oh, just yeah. like when you come up with something, you're like, whoa. How do I think about that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, like you know, it's a it's a film about a state of mind uh, to some extent. So I'm wondering, yep. like, is there some kind of like visual drama you had to come up with to 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 you know to to progress the story and show that the progression of characters' emotion? You totally nailed it. That was we had sort of our our rule book in our head and. 
the biggest thing that helped us use or helped us develop the story was it's kind of a recounting from Will, the main character's point of view. Mm-hmm. And as as humans, our memories fade, they break apart, you lose details. And having that and knowing that, we were using really long cross dissolves, which is very classic cinema. And I haven't seen that in a while. And it was, they're beautiful because you're seeing these sort of memories sort of collide with each other. There's okay. details there, but there's a weird overlap. And so we were doing a lot of that and it sort of slows things down where it's kind of bleeding memory to memory. So that keeping that in mind, that was the biggest thing is memory. What's happening? Things start getting the insanity meter we kept saying is, is starting to crank up. You know, the second act, the third act, it's basically pinned to the to 100. Mm -hmm. And what we were using, too, was a lot of visual cues, a lot of mirroring where basically the memory is splitting. It's reacting and it's character shifting because there is an homage to Donnie Darko in here. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a character that's like Donnie Darko. And we did a lot of research. We had a bunch of films like Donnie Darko. Uh, Daniel isn't real possessor. Um, those films were really inspiring to us and we were kind of our, our go-to of like, okay, how's the pacing there? How does this feel? Because it is an identity problem. And so Mm -hmm. using mirroring, using overlays, using, um, part of the film, they actually filmed on high eight. And so it's digital, like it's an old security camera. And that was what we did at the, towards the end is these memory flashbacks, I cut and then I actually reshot it on my iPhone. And so you get the pixels from the screen and it becomes almost this, you know, it becomes analog because things are happening. It's, it's actually becomes wait, There's a little bit of more Ray. And it's, again, that's how Addison was like, that's how I remember things. He was a nineties kid. He didn't watch as many films. It was more digital. And so it's like that nostalgia was for these pixels and how they start pulling apart and how things start, you know, disintegrating because it's just, blocky and so sort of playing with that where again it's memory it's like you know things are where's the focus you know is it on a mouth is it on a hand you know when you recount something you specifically remember something you see and something you smell is usually what it is and those kind of things where it's like we're blowing into a mouth when his dad said something because like those are the things that come into your head. So it was very sort of memory based. Um, and it was a lot of fun to cut because it was, you know, we tried so many different things, you know, yeah. we were doing smash yeah. cuts. Scene didn't end. Scene wasn't completely clean and we just cut to the next one. And it was, okay, uh-huh. okay that's cool, but it doesn't work for this film. It was too mm-hmm. abrupt. And so we, we pulled back on some of that stuff. So we had a lot of fun experimenting with techniques how are we blurring these together, these scenes together, or are we blurring them together? Or do we leave them clean? Do we leave sort of a beat afterwards where it's like, when's it going to end, you know, kind of thing. And so Mm. it was a film we had so much fun playing with. And that was just like, you get to be the artist. You get to really just sort of think about this, but really have to know, like you said, what are our set of rules? Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think this is one of the first films we didn't have to really ADR anything any added dialogue oh, wow. Like, wow. which is great you know addison was very adamant about if we don't have it i don't want to add anything let's see what we can do and that was that was a box i haven't had to play in in a long time and it was awesome because it really made us create certain things that we never would have been able to do because there's the easy out we'll just add a line somewhere you know yeah. um and yeah that was so much fun you know <laughs> Being an editor, you want to be free. But at this time, it was like, hey, let's stay within these bounds. And we we did it. And it was awesome. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that being an artist, being creative like that, like it's so much easier when you have those confines compared to like somebody being like, just do whatever. Because <laughs> then you're like, okay, well, kind of like how you describe like a documentary, you know, like because Peter and I, we're always doing like that type of like vignette type of documentary yeah. work where you get a client that's just like, well, here's the general idea and here's the footage. And it's like, okay. And then you just have like this giant idea and like, okay, I got to kind of do it, which doesn't, is very anxiety inducing when you're like, okay, this is the path you want to go and just stick to that path. You're like, all right, let's do it. And then you can laser point focus rather than like, okay, bring it in. Let's get all this stuff in and see what we have before we can even start playing with anything. Totally agree. Totally agree. And that's, that is difficult. That is you know, with all projects, it is, it can go any which way and you just don't know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a million right ways to do it and a handful of wrong ways to do it, you know, and that's, that's what's Uh so crazy about this, Uh this, Mm -hmm. this art, you know, it is, it's, as I say to everybody is, you know, art there, no one has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, the Mona Lisa, no one loves that, you know, Mm -hmm. no, not, excuse me, totally said that wrong. Mona Lisa (laughs) isn't, isn't liked by everybody, you know, and it's this, this piece. And at the same time, there are these films that are hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but there are people that don't like it, you know, and that's, that's taste and that's why it's art. And so it is, you're trying to communicate feelings and emotions and that's what we're trying to do. Right. Right. It's that, that fine line of like, subjectivity like you said like Mona Lisa is considered a classic and then the people are like it's a girl with no eyebrows and she's not even smiling I don't understand so yeah (laughs) you hit it on the head it's that subjectiveness where you're like things that you feel you're doing you know basically my point is like you can't please everybody and everybody has different tastes and nobody is wrong either yeah. And that was the thing too, is even working with Addison, I was, you know, certain things I'm like, stick to your guns, man. If you really feel adamant about something, go for it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll back you up. I, I will work this to make it work for, for more eyeballs. But a lot of time you're trying to please everybody and you're not going to. And so it's really, if you have an emotion, you want to convey that stick to it and just work on it. There's one scene that was very, very difficult. We had about 10 different versions and we couldn't figure it out. It just wasn't communicating the way we wanted it to. And part of it was practicality. There was a kiln involved and we were going to have fire, but then it wasn't going to happen. And we we're going to CG some stuff and that just wasn't going to look right. So we're like, okay, we got to get creative here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, towards the end, we finally came up with something where it was, we were trying to overstimulate and over detail mm-hmm. the scene. And immediately we're like, well, what if we showed less? What if we did the reservoir dogs cutting off the ear, which you don't actually uh-huh. see, yeah. but you hear yeah. something going on. It's like yeah. Jaws. You don't see the shark, you right. hear yeah. it, and you know something's going to happen. So yeah. it's the human mind that's actually playing more. So we did a lot of dips uh, to black with small little pieces of detailed information, visually and audible. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, holy crap, I can't believe that worked. And it comes out of nowhere. And at the same time, it works. And it was so much fun to sort of get there because I'm like, man, that was a hassle. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, we did it, you know? And so very proud of that. And, you know, it is, it's one of those things. There's always, there's a fix for everything. It's just, you got to put time and effort and you got to sometimes back away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a big thing we did too, where I was cutting from Atlanta part of the time. Then I went out to LA for a week to work with Addison. Then I came back and sort of gave us this, <sighs> okay, let's watch this again. Let's mm-hmm. take a break. You know, <laughs> what are we getting out of this? Um, because as editors too, you see and watch something so many times 
you're connecting things that mm. some people won't connect. Yeah, and, it's a curse you know, of knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, especially with stuff that I'm sure you guys got too, is after a while you start to hate certain music and certain dialogue <laughs> because you've heard it a hundred times or more. <laughs> and so, you know, I've always, one thing I've always said to is I need a baseball clicker um, to count how many times I've watched a film when I'm cutting it, mm-hmm. because it's like, I, I actually, I probably don't want to know <laughs> because it's like too many times, but at the same time, when you're still enjoying it and loving it towards the end of the process, that tells you you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, sorry, I'm sort of dominating the conversation. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I was, cause I, in two, 2020, um, I released a feature documentary, um, that's oh, on nice. Amazon and Hulu and blah, blah, blah. Not Hulu, but Amazon and Vimeo. And it's a, um, it's a documentary about this hardcore band out of Massachusetts called Bane. So it was their yep. final tour and whatever. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I got the Bane hoodie on. I was going to say, that's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> I used to listen to them. <laughs> there you go. So they, uh, yeah. basically it was their, their final U.S. tour. And just kind of like mm-hmm. it's about their tour and then kind of like the behind the scenes about the Bane and whatever. But it was definitely that thing where – you're watching it so many times and you're like, I fucking hate this movie. What am I, why am I watching this? And then, but I had that moment where like I stepped away long enough and then watched it again. And I was like, Hey, hey this is actually pretty good. This is actually a yeah. good movie. <laughs> it's, not a lot of the time, it's not that bad. A lot of the time we're our worst critiques, you yeah. know, like it, it, our worst critics, excuse me. God, I'm just, my uh, words are fumbling today. <laughs> I need to cut something rather than talk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's tough because it, it, a lot of time I'm the same way where it's like, am I doing this right? Do I, am mm-hmm. I good enough to do this? It's that self doubt. And, you know, I think all artists have that and it should help you to keep pushing and keep learning. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it's like every project I do, I want to learn something. It could be a no nothing project. And still I'm like, well, let me try something or yeah. let me try something a little different. And, you know, that is going to roll into your next project or a project two years from now or three years from now. And it's still, you're amassing these kind of, this bag of edit tricks and it's, that's your experience. And that's why you are paid for what you do. And, you know, I've cut a couple of shorts with new time directors, which I love because they don't know the process, you know, some of them are cut on their own, but they'll come and sit with me and they're like, oh my God, you're so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, because I get where we're going and I want to show you something as fast as possible because that's when we're going to start being really creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where, you know, it's, it's that I want to share with everybody what I've learned because they're going to share with me. And I, that's why I love what you guys are doing this because I think it's, I haven't really had a chance to talk with many editors because it is, it's, it's a different brain sort of structure. And, you know, the wife always goes, you guys are weirdos, but you guys are so creative. (laughs) (laughs) She's in production. So, (laughs) but at the same time it is, you know, it's one of those things too. I always say with, um, with editors too, it's, it's good to know production. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's really advantageous to, you know, I'll sit there and go, why didn't you guys get this shot? And I know things happen. You're on yep. set. You have talent. You don't have talent. You have technical problems. Oh, yeah. You have weather problems. All different things. And okay, fine. I'll, I'll find a way to work around it. You know, yep. we'll band-aid it and I'm going to try to hide the band-aid. And, yep. um, you know, that is so interesting to me. And especially just the technical side, too, is really being a student, trying to be a student to what you do helps you in the long run. Um, again, it's that 
I want to focus on being creative. I don't want to have to worry about the technical. I do that at the the forefront to make sure that I can roll through these projects as as seamlessly as possible and hand off to somebody too, Mm -hmm. where these turnovers for films is very, very technical. And the last three films I've done, I haven't had an assistant editor. I've done it all myself. And it's difficult, but at the same time, it's, you know, I have to make sure I set up everything correctly, you know, not just the way I want it, but I know how things go at the end. When you turn over to color, when you turn over to sound, when you turn over to the composer. Um, And I'm not saying I'm kind of a, I trust people. I I want other people to work with because I want them to learn. And that's how you learn is by doing it by Mm -hmm. trial by fire. And you're Mm going to make a mistake and that's okay. One of the biggest things that kind of like, it was early in my career. We were onlining for Star Wars Episode Two. It was a behind-the-scenes featurette, and I had an HDSDR tape, HDSR tape, and I was supposed to add in a scene in between, and this was just an insert. And I punched a hole basically in the time code, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, George Lucas is going to come after me, and I'm never going to work again. This is going to be horrible." <laughs> And so I had to, I figured out, okay, I can, I can actually, I have all the media. I can basically punch in everything around it and clean that time code. Um, but it was one of those where it's like, you're going to make a mistake and don't mm-hmm. kill yourself about it because you're going to learn. And if you don't know, ask somebody, we're all here to help, yeah. you know? And it's like, whether it being tricks for your keyboard, how to make, expedite, you know, doing certain things and certain functions. So it just speeds you up. Um, you know, those are the biggest things too, where it's, I want to share the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, that's stuff like that. Cause I'm self-taught. I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. And so it's just mm-hmm. like, whatever kind of, like I said, I, you know, taught myself in a way to edit quarter inch, to quarter inch, the quarter inch, the quarter inch, and then using premiere back way back in the day and then switching yep. to final cut and then coming back around to premiere, you know, it was just like the same thing. Trial by fire. I was just like, okay, this is how it's going to go. And even for the technical stuff that you were talking about, like where I was like, all right, I have VCRs, I got RCA, something's not right. What am I plugging into? How am I doing this? And then like figuring it out from there. Yeah, as you talked about like talking with editors, like not until I really met Peter and started talking with him, did I really get opened up to like other editors because it's always been me by myself with maybe some other editors that I do know from, you know, other clients in, in Denver and whatever, but like a broader sense, you know, I, I think now back back then I was like, I knew five editors and now I know yeah, like yeah. 20 yeah. and you know, That's we're awesome. all kind of the same where everybody yeah. has imposter syndrome. Everybody is super talented <laughs> and everybody has like, you know, superpowers that maybe nobody else has. And they're like, okay, let me show you how I do this. And then everybody like kind of is, uh, you know, raising the tide that we're all like, you know, swimming in or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what yeah. that saying is, but it's the same thing. It's like, we're all there to be like, Hey, we have, we're this community that wants to see all of us uh, succeed and stuff. And that's, yeah. you know, super um, inspiring. You're right. Yeah. It is. It's, I'm totally self-taught too, where it's like <laughs> I went to film theory at, at, in the university, but editorial technical wise was self-taught. And yeah. I do say most editors need to do that. They need to just start screwing around with mm-hmm. projects and seeing what works, what doesn't work. And for the longest time, it was... I. It's difficult. You can get your hands on things now a lot easier, too. Like, I started on Premiere. It was probably mid-90s, and it was a pain in the butt. And mm-hmm. it was like we were defragging the computer because we're just like things aren't playing yeah. fast enough, and yeah. it was just like things are crashing, and it's just like, 
oh my God. But at the same time, it was fun because again, it was that technical, what are we doing to break it and how do we avoid it or how do we basically make it better? And, you know, I've cut on all different types of systems and, you know, for a long time I was like, wow, I, this thing has crashed a million times. And I think the last three films, I think I crashed maybe three times total. And I'm like, wow, that tells me I'm doing something correctly. Yes, the systems are getting better and the software is getting better. Um, but I, I'm not losing as much as I used to because it is that kind of knowing what the expectations are of the system and the hardware, um, you know, but it is, it's, and sometimes it's, it's fun, just trial by fire. You're going to yeah. figure it out. And it may not be the easiest way, but you know how to do it. And then hopefully someone will show you how to do it better. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Real quick, it's funny because, you know, that's like just like press the buttons and see what happens. And that's yeah. like how I kind of approach anything. And my wife yeah. hates it because she's like, this computer thing isn't working. I'm like, well, just start pressing buttons. And she's like, you just lost my page. I was like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> and then it prints out randomly. No. Yeah, and like, she's like, oh, I'll just do it myself. Okay. Well, we experiment. Well. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm experimenting. And the same time, too, it's, you know, being an editor is troubleshooting. You know, and that's a lot yeah. of this is technical. It's like, well, if it's not this, then this. What about this? What about this? You know, yeah. and it's. I'm doing this project right now. Uh, It's a corporate thing. And I've got like eight video lines, which is like unheard of for me. I'd like to keep things very minimal so I know what's going on. I'll save other versions of a timeline so I can always go back to something if I have to. But this one's got like eight video lines and things are going chaotic. And I'm using track mat keys. And sometimes it's working with the transitions. Sometimes it's not. And it's very... It's driving me crazy, but at the same time, it's it's cool because it's like, oh, okay, that's how you do that. And then yeah. it's like, okay, now I can use that somewhere else. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it's always troubleshooting. We're problem solvers. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. It's totally, and it's on the technical side, but also on the artistic side also because, you know, with every film, I, I always say it's like once we sort of get the story down, you go scene by scene and you say, what is this scene doing? What are we supposed to be communicating? Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it part of the bigger story? Is it a breath? Is it basically just a, a no-nothing scene and we'll get rid of it? You know, uh-huh. and then it's like, okay, well, where are our best takes? You know, let's start exploring other takes. What is, you know, there might be a different emotion in there or a different pause might actually create a completely different scene. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I, I always joke, I love the heads and tails of shots with actors and actresses because they kind of rest. Oh yeah. And that resting phase can be used in any way you want, basically. (laughs) And that's where I'm just like, that's gold. Like end of the scenes, sitting there, just showing them for a second. It's like, okay, they're, they're questioning something or they're yearning or, you know, it's like, (laughs) that's awesome. I love that stuff. Right. You're using Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like bingo. Bingo. You you, you get what you need. (laughs) And you add a little music. Music and it's like, oh god, yeah, now you're yeah. going through the roof. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you just created the take that was wasn't you know that, that didn't exist, right? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. exactly. Back to Mona Lisa, you know. Let's put yeah. something next to her. Is she is she watching yeah. a football game? Is you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like to come back to you've mentioned that uh, Hyperhondrack, right? Uh, that mm-hmm. premiered on South by Southwest. Southwest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So can you can you talk briefly about navigating film festivals? I imagine you have attended, right? I've, you know, I haven't had to do too much, which is kind of nice. I, I hate the business side. <laughs> I would do all this for free if I could keep living, um, you know, but it, it, it's sort of difficult because 
The festival side is definitely tricky. I've had uh, multiple films and shorts go to festivals. Like uh, I had a short I did with this director who was super, it's called Date Night. It went to Santa Barbara Film Festival. I loved that short because it was kind of, it was right when COVID hit basically. And it had sort of a tinge of that even before it. And it was really, really fun to cut. Um, and then another one called Outlier, this mm-hmm. director went and shot uh, during the pandemic with his family, and they just basically got a pocket 6K um, camera and went and shot it and out up in Michigan off a lake and then brought it back and he started putting it together and then he came across me and I took it over and we made a fun little film out of nothing really. And uh, that was really proud of that because, you know, he was kind of trying to learn all this and at the same time, I was like, I can do this. I can help you. I can make this better. I know I can. And mm-hmm. we took a lot of time. And what I learned from him was it's really the uh, producer directors. It's their focus on what fe- what festivals they want to go to. You have mm-hmm. to put a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money into these festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're submitting, you're going to get a lot of no's. Um, you know, it was like, I think we put hypochondria up hypochondriac up for Sundance and I think they responded we really love your film it's just not fitting into our slate this year and I was like okay that's cool but you know it's like okay we're not gonna be able to do it next year you know and so it's really that you just don't know what's gonna hit and where and you know someone asked me the question of how do you know a film is gonna go to like South by Southwest and it's like you don't you really don't there are so many good films out there that have only a couple eyeballs on them but Mm -hmm. should have Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even we were saying, uh, the Florida project, which I helped assist. Yeah. I can't, I have all my friends are like, I can't believe that didn't get nominated. It was so different and so unique that it was just up against these different films, different names in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sean was still an up and coming director, <clears throat> but this was his breakout. And, you know, that's where it's like, okay, that went to cans, you know? So it's like, it got that recognition, but mm-hmm. in the U S it was a little different because it's a different style to it for Mm-hmm. to basically it, it is slower it's a fly on the wall it feels like a documentary so it can get uncomfortable very quick mm-hmm. um it's a lot of drive you really got to push you got to find what festivals are right for your film that's number one uh there's one i did called um face your fears it's a short horror piece uh with the director neil who is a huge horror fan and brought me in to sort of help sort of take it to the next level and that went to a bunch of horror film festivals and he won a bunch of awards for it because he knew his audience you know he's not going to go this is something that needs to go to Sundance or you know any of that kind of stuff because it's just different you know people have different tastes but the horror audience is amazing because it's a huge audience (laughs) and so that kind of thing is sort of knowing what your film is what is it communicating and a lot of the time the film festivals probably aren't the biggest thing, you know, it's really just the distribution companies now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these places too are becoming their own distribution companies because it's so much easier to put things out there and to Mm -hmm. deliver with all these streaming services. You can talk directly with them a lot of the time. And so, you know, a lot of these, some of the films I worked on aren't streaming and it's sort of a bummer because it's like, okay, well, you guys haven't worked out that deal. And you know, there's not as much money there. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the time for me, it's, you put so much, time and effort and love into the things you cut and at the end of it you're you're done with it 
you know, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a, a freelance contractor. And so it's like, you know, I don't, well, I don't get back in most of the time. And so it is that kind of like, you know, okay, take my baby and be good with it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just like, uh, I, I, today I wrote to a director I worked with last year and mm-hmm. the, the short film isn't out yet. Like we, we mm-hmm. finished it in uh, like a year ago and it's not out yet because like the director wanted a festival premiere, but now yeah. I'm like, you know, com- talk, talking to him that like, you know, it's not the end of the day. Like you, you have to think forward. You have to like think about how you can premiere it in another way that maybe potentially will be even more impactful for your career than a festival premiere. Mm-hmm. So although totally it is a little bit frustrating and I, I understand his frustration that, you know, he, he applied to like 10 festivals and didn't get any, um, any approval mm-hmm. at the same time, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think we have like quite a good film there and you know, it's exactly right. Say so I've done projects on my own where I'm like, this is awesome. Like I am so proud of this. And you know, it's like, yeah, some people they're watching how many films a day too, where it's like, okay, and you yeah. don't know what you're going up against. You have right. no idea. Yeah. And that's part of it too, is this is a competition and it's art again. You know, it's like, okay, do you like the Rembrandt or the Van Gogh? And it's like, right. you, you got to pick one, like, which one do you like? And it's like, they're not bad, you know? And so, um, and that was part of it, especially with date night. I think even before we went to the Santa Barbara film festival, he got picked up for short of the week. Um, the website, which is actually oh, a really good for short films. I mean, I can't, I can't go on there because I'll like three hours later, I'm like, Oh my God, I just watched how many films. And it's like, there's so much good stuff, like so much good stuff and so much creative talent out there where you're like, okay, now I'm invigorated. I don't want to do something else, you know, but those are things you can reach out to where you're getting eyeballs, you know, and that recognition is you just have to have the right person see it at the right time. That's all it is. And the same way with, Every person you meet in this industry, it's a smaller industry than you think, Um, you know, because it is, you know, hypochondriac. I got it because of the producer I worked on with Breaking Fast. And he was like, I really think you could be perfect for this. And so he had me read the script and talk with the director. And, you know, we did his vetting and all that. And that was like a huge compliment to me because I was like, yeah, he liked working with me. And so now it's like he wants to make sure people he works with work with me. And so... Uh, one of the main uh, big producer I sort of started my career with, um, he, we were doing 3D technology at the beginning of the 3D and I was starting to cut 3D stuff, which was very weird, very different cutting style. Um, but at the same time, he was kind of grooming me because he was old school. Like he was very ABC promo division in the 80s when it was like going through the roof. We went separate ways. And then later on, he's like, I think I want to bring you in for this film. Have you have you cut any films in the meantime? This is like five, six years later. He's like, yeah, I've done a couple little tiny indies. And that's where he sort of started my my big break and sort of doing bigger things. And, you know, lo and behold, I met my wife as she was post coordinating on that film, too, which was so interesting. But at the same time, it's like you just don't know people. We all want to help each other. You know, we're all putting our names on these projects. And that's. That's number one, is that my name is going on these things and I want to do the best I can. I want to make sure everyone else looks the best they can. And that just pushes you to try even harder. You know, and the big thing, too, especially as you guys probably know, as an editor, you got to be careful on your your personal work boundaries. That's a huge thing that blurs a lot. And, you know, where it's all sit there and I could be editing forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's like, 
okay, I need, I need to back off. You know, I need to make sure I'm mentally okay to come back into this tomorrow. Um, that's always very difficult because you, you do want to be hungry and do the most you can to show your, your, you're hungry to do this, but at the same time, you got to make sure you don't over push yourself. Um, you don't want to get burnt out for sure. No, no, no. Uh, how did you get involved in the pro- the Florida project? Florida project that was actually from the same producer. Um, it's so funny really? because he was post producing it. He was talking about it, and I remember him. I was cutting something else with him and he kept talking about this Florida project. And I'm like, God, I wonder what the name of it is. Um, because he just keeps saying the Florida project. And I'm like, Oh, so they're, they're doing it in Florida. Like I literally for the longest time didn't realize that was the title. <laughs> so just like, what is the name of this film? <laughs> um, oh, and, Perfect. And that was in the early stages where they were talking about, Oh, they're going to shoot on film. And he had just done tangerine, which was all on iPhone. And so we were all like, well, why is he wanting do it on film you know we have Mm -hmm. plugins and we Mm -hmm. have really good grain textures we could Mm -hmm. add on um you know and he's very adamant about it which was awesome and basically he he knows i'm technically skilled and artistically and so Mm -hmm. sean needed someone that could help him walk through the process basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because he was cutting on final cut that's why he cut tangerine on he had never cut on premiere um so i helped set him up with how to do it what's going on and especially with the turnovers, like that was huge because, you know, not all editors are clean editors, not all editors are messy editors. You know, there's certain styles people do things. And so I was the one kind of breaking things apart yep. and sort of helping. So it was, you know, he's changing audio left and right. And so it was like tracking that stuff of what's changing. What do I need to get to the audio house? Okay. So he okay. created a lot of the ambient audio okay. uh, and the Muzak was actually self-created. Um, which was awesome because it was very much controlling your feelings and what's going on and what you're, what it's trying to create inside your head. And so that was fun because at the same time we were both in LA, but we were never in the same room. And he really does like working at nights. Like he starts really late and works all through the night mm-hmm. where it's nice because you don't get interrupted by things. It's usually generally quiet. And so, and then I'd get up and basically go through things and figure out, okay, what's working, what's not working. And the turnover side, we were turning over to uh, Technicolor New York. So basically the time schedule was really weird because mm-hmm. he'd have things in the morning, had to work through it, fix it, and then get it to New York before they closed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're uploading everything. And so it was, you're talking gigs and gigs and gigs, um, which is way easier now, um, you know, than it used to be. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was a really interesting project because he is very much in his own rabbit hole. He'll do something and then he'll show. Mm-hmm. Um, but really wants, there is no rough cut, put mm-hmm. it that way, mm-hmm. where with me, I always do a rough cut because it's like, yeah. what's working, what's yeah. not working. I don't want to drill into something and waste my time and waste their time. And, you know, even the funny joke is that editor assembly is something that is so necessary, but should never, ever see the light of day. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> see, I, I, I should go back and watch the hypochondriac one because it's probably so bad. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, you have to sort of see what the foundation is. Mm-hmm. And that, yep. that tells you yep. what's working, what's not working, even in its rawest form, because mm-hmm. you're just cutting off the script. And I wasn't on the shoot. So it's like, what's my first interpretation? Um, you know, I can't get in the director's head right away. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like, let's. that's why we sit down and start working through it. Um, 
So yeah, you're going to do things that people hate, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. What workflow did you use with him? Because like I, I know that like Sean said that you have set it up uh, in super user friendly way for him, right? So yeah, uh, did you use like team projects in Premiere Pro, or what was it? We team projects was not as robust at that point, mm -hmm. and so what we did is we had mirroring drives. And basically we were sending projects back and forth and he would send me his master project. I would clean everything up basically, create a new sequence, back everything up, save that, that actual uh, immediate project, date it, time it. And mm -hmm. I, that's my, my, I always do it to the cloud now is always saving one of my project files yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. everything burns down. I still got my project, you mm -hmm. know, it's really that kind of, built-in yeah, safety net. And so then I'd send yeah. it back to him. He would know exactly, this is the date. Okay, here it is. It's really easy to find. And so mm -hmm. part of that is where I always say with editors too, is that you kind of need to have a little bit of OCD. Like you have to be clean. The cleaner mm -hmm. you are, the faster you're going to work. And with every project I do, I always put in my head, if I have to leave this project halfway through, I want an editor to be able to jump in and yeah. take off right where yeah. I was without questioning anything. Yeah. And so it's foldering everything, labeling it, like all those things, because if I'm on week 10 of a 12-week 12, 12 edit, I don't want to be slowed down where, where is this? Where is this? Where is yeah. this? Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. as you know, with yeah. documentaries, that's like a nightmare. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's yeah. hard. It's very difficult. And so that was sort of keeping it clean for Sean to be able to set up his keyboard like Final Cut, which was yeah. two seconds. And he's like, oh, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> Very drag and drop, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. awesome. And it's non-destructive. I always had backups of all the projects and everything. So if he's like, where did this go? I can pull it and send it. But the new thing is with the documentary I'm working on right now is we're using productions, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're mirroring our hard drives. Um, we didn't do team projects just because it's a documentary and the linking can sometimes take a little while. Mm -hmm. It's perfect for branded content and commercials and stuff like that. Team projects is a rock star. Um, yeah. I did a music video on one of those and it was so much fun to do because it's like, take a look at this sync. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, that's awesome. But we're using uh, productions and basically just have, all my different breakdowns as basically they're avid bins almost where yeah. you can take that bin and send it. And we have these transfer bins where it's, here's my latest cut. I'll drag it down, send it over. And then I can update any of those folders to my other editor or producer. And it makes it very, very simple where you're not destroying the master project. You're just sending these folders and you can actually send them and back them up differently. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I know was a while ago, there's another documentary I was working on that got put on pause for a minute uh, called The Baja Run. It's about the Baja 1000 in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we were talking with Adobe about using productions. This was just before productions came out. It was just shared projects. Mm -hmm. And we had a production with all these folders, and I wanted to see if I could create a team project inside of there. Um, because then I could have that where the director could just access this one folder yeah. as a team project. So you, I could be like, oh, here's this cut, drag it down that there and it sync up. Like, yeah, possible, that's where I'm like. But, but that would be interesting. And I know I started getting the Adobe guys going like, okay, yeah. okay, this is kind of cool. This makes sense because it yeah. is it's sort of localizing. I, you don't have access to the full project, which I don't want you to do, yeah. but I need yeah. something instead of bouncing in and out. 
Um, so again, technology and what do we need? What do we have fun with? And you know, yeah. I'd love actually team projects to get a little bit better than they are. I mean, I I use yeah. team projects quite quite often actually. Uh, I'm yeah. editing a short film right now with uh, with a director from the US. And nice. you know we, we use short project for that uh, team projects for that. I for the for the one I did, did last year, the yep. director actually wanted to have his own input into the select right. So I created like you know for each scene he had his own sequence where he could have yeah. his own select reels. I did what you did nice. for Sean, so I like recorded a short tutorial for him, and just yep. you know walk him through uh, through the through the interface like you know, setting him up for success, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love, you know, the, the Adobe team to work a little bit harder on that aspect of the program. <laughs> I agree. And I, I wonder if it's server throughput or what, you know, because there are little hangups here and there. And, you know, the latest thing I, I've been loving, uh, especially for this documentary, is the, um, the transcribe to text. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been huge yeah. where we don't have to send it out of house and I it's just it. set it go. And I was like, I was messing with something where I created my selects off of an interview and I was like, Oh God, I wish I could retran. Oh, I can retranscribe right <laughs> yeah, now. And so it's like, this is awesome. Like it's making my life so much easier. <laughs> it's one of those updates that really like was like, huge. Oh, really? We can do it? Huge. <laughs> Yeah. So good, um, but it is. It's you know, techno technologically, it's it's becoming so much easier. There are tried and true ways, of course, um, but you know, we're always trying to push the bounds because we want to make it easier. We want to have more sort of flexibility in mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing, you know, and be artistic again. Like, mm -hmm. don't let the technology hinder us if possible. Um, but at the same time, we're firefighters too, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Just, things are going to pop up and burn and it's like, okay, put this one out. Okay. Now this one, yeah. <laughs> what did you learn from Sean Baker from the editing design point of view? Because like, I, I you need know, to admit like, like the Florida project, Florida project is one of my favorite films. I, no, I really nice. like Sean Baker's filmography style. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot of that is. You know, it was sort of taking, it's kind of an old school homage almost where it's a lot of long takes and yeah. you just feel like you're sitting there, but you're, there's enough going on where your eye is active. Yeah. Um, and he was very particular about certain things. You know, we were, you know, if there's a burnt out light or something like that, I don't want your eye going over here. I am leading your eye and telling you what to look at is a yeah. huge thing for editors, of course. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of, the slowing down and everyone was going like you're shooting film and you're filming with kids. Mm -hmm. So like, there's going to be problems like, you know, <laughs> but at the same time it was sound was huge. And with premiere editing with sound is a lot easier. So mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of dips ins and outs because, you know, he's yelling directions to the kids while they're at, they're in the middle of the scene. Mm -hmm. And so that was, became very natural where the kids were like, okay, now I'm just going to look over here and sort of go walk over there towards the tree. And it was like, you know, almost very stage-like, which was awesome. And that's, wow. again, why it is the kind of classical feel and the slow burn. Um, you know, Sean's projects are all uh, very unique and very shining a light on um, things a lot of people don't realize are yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's also really unique because that makes it stand out from all other, you know, features and stuff like that. Yeah. So his timing and his, his feeling of when to cut and when not to cut, you know? And that's, I think, the hardest part in our job is 
not cutting something is mm-hmm. a big choice. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. there's a little fumble there or there's something there. And it's like, do I really want to cut this? Yeah. You know, and so... In a way, cutting is easier in a way, right? Yep. But then all of a sudden you have a scene where it's like, Yeah, also like... Cut releases tension, right? So, the, and and like I think that in in his films, even though you don't have this like you know action tension, you have a lot of emotional tension, and yeah. so having these long takes is what you know we, with great combined with great acting, yeah, makes the performance yeah. powerful. I totally agree, and you know, like sitting you know in the field or the Everglades and hearing the sounds, and you're just like, wow, you get transported. You know, and again, the thing is like, yeah, they're right across the street from Disney World, you know, mm-hmm. the happiest place yeah. on earth. And yet yeah. they're so lonely, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like that, that sort of duality of that was so apparent through the whole thing. And sort of, again, it is that slow burn. It is that yeah. creating the yeah. awkward tension, you know, and that again is, yeah. you know, going back and looking at some old films, some of the old spaghetti Westerns where it's like, okay, why is this shot still going on? You know, it's like, I see the sunset and then the shot goes on for another minute. And you're like, okay, I got it. Like, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to hit cut, 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 cut. Like, <laughs> but it does. And that's part of what we use in hypochondriac too, where it's these long, slow takes. You're watching things happen and letting the sound and the music play in and sort of, you know, part of it too is there's, there's an homage to... Uh, ghost in there and some people laugh and some people think it's it's funny and it, and it is it's this it's insanity and it is sort of like yes it's a d- direct sort of nod to these certain things and like i said with donnie darko it's like yes we know it looks like donnie darko it's meant to be like that you know <laughs> yeah this this yeah. he grew up on this kind of That's stuff and so it is this, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah nothing's nothing's new anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like you know great uh, good, good what, what how does the saying go good artist uh don't copy, steal the, copy great yeah. artists steal yes exactly <laughs> exactly and that's you know learning about like uh quentin tarantino he yeah. is the the brie collage director everything yeah, exactly. has a reason everything is from the past and it's that's all true. but it's making it new and that's the thing where it's like these techniques don't they're here for a reason and at the yeah. same time you know, I always tell directors and producers, don't let me say no if it, if it fights against these techniques because we might come across something or I might spark an idea from someone else. Um, that's a big thing that I've learned over the last couple of years of, yes, I know this craft and I know what can work and what won't work. But at the same time, I don't know everything. And so let's experiment. You know, this is non-destructive. Why, why not? You know, because you'll come up with something that you never thought thought of before. And it was because someone said, oh, well, let's jump the 180 line. And there's a lot more of that recently because people are tracking characters more. We're, we're, we're yeah. following our details and tracking of faces and stories is so much better than it used to be because we have so much media we, we consume. Mm-hmm. And so that 180 line That's is true. kind of it's blurred <laughs> completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well, once you understand like geography and like what, what the audience needs to understand, you, you, yep. you can bend it through. Like you can, you can break it with, with ease. Yeah. It's so true. And that's, I think with, especially on that point is, you know, showing um, sort of the setting or the room beforehand. So people know what's where. And then after that, you're playing the maps already been laid out. So people yeah. understand, you know? And so it is again, that you're not, you're pre-planning, 
but you have a reason for doing it. And so yeah. it is yeah. those guidelines. And so, and again, bending them is just so much fun too. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, I was just talking about like, you know, cutting and not cutting. Yesterday I watched, I watched the Victoria. It's 2015 movie. Uh, that is one take. That. It's two hours long, over two hours long, and it's one take, and it's not combined from multiple takes, like, for example, <laughs> 1917 is. It's all yeah. one take from start to the end. Wow. And That's, I need to say, so that... I, need, I need to say it's super captivating. So if you get a chance to watch it, like, do Like, please do it. I'll have it's to really do good. that because I think I've only... I, I... I can't fall asleep to movies or TV. I follow story too much and I just can't turn my brain off. Well, the only other film I've ever fallen asleep in was called Russian Ark. And I think it was late 90s or early early 2000s. And that's where basically it's a single take. And I think it's only an hour because the technology wasn't that good. It was, it was a, they yeah, actually yeah, were yeah. carrying a hard I've drive. I haven't yeah, seen it, I've heard about it. Two takes. Yeah, the first take, they something happened with the choreography and so they had to stop in the second take. I mean, massive. They're going through St. Petersburg, oh, wow. and it's amazing. A lot of dancing and a lot of choreography. I mean, extra, like, the wrangling of the extras must have been chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool. But at the same time, I was like, there's no cutting. And I <laughs> woke up, and there's, like, 10 minutes left. And I was like, whoa, okay, maybe I am an editor. <laughs> but it was cool. I mean, technological feat for sure. I'll have to watch that. That'll be awesome. Mike, if you could give give a give an advice to someone like me who has edited a few <laughs> shorts, but wants yeah. to edit a feature, what would you say? And, and and someone who wants to do it remotely, because yeah. I'm in Poland and I intend to stay in Poland. So <laughs> yes, yes, and that's you know part of it too is that you know a lot of this technology now is you know doing screen shares through Zoom. Um, you know, if your internet is good enough, there really isn't too much of a lag right now, yeah. um, and that's. I do feel that editing with someone in person expedites the process because you can throw something up against the wall and you don't have to export it and show it. Mm-hmm. You're basically, they can know right away, nope, that's not going to work. Yes, that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, I think shorts are so powerful because, you know, everyone always goes, oh, do you have a, a reel? And I'm like, I do features. I don't do sizzle reels because yeah. I can do a cool cut, but that's not going to show what I can yeah, do. What you do. And right, so exactly. I... Yeah. I had one a long time ago and I was like, I'm stopping doing this because it's not helping me. You know, it's really just your resume and showing a scene. And so especially with up and coming editors that are trying to do narrative work is working with narrative stuff and doing little things and going out there. And, you know, I was jumping on with new uh, new directors who really don't have anything to show. And I'm like, well, let's do this because. I don't know where you're going to go. You know, you could become something huge. And I've had uh, a director I worked with. We did commercial work and he directed his first feature a bunch of years ago and he he called me up and it was like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I was sort of telling him, go write a script, go do something. You're creative. Mm-hmm. And I think shorts are huge because there are so many people out there looking for help. And again, it's sort of you have to know what your time is worth and how far you're going to bend mm-hmm. um, because you are going to be a lot of this is going to be off time. You may not be paid much, yeah. Um, yeah. but at the same time, you're meeting people. And yeah. that's the biggest thing is networking, which is hard. It's it's really hard. But at the same time, there's so many different things out there and so many different websites and websites looking for people like us to go and just 
try and do and you have to show that you can do it before you can actually do it or else you just know somebody and so again the biggest thing i think is is honing the narrative craft and showing what you can do and trying to uh meet as many people as possible because it is it's it's a difficult to break into as as you guys were saying too it's like i didn't work up the assistant editor ladder I was straight off editor, doing it on my own, yep. trying things out. I was the technical guy actually for a long time. I did I did online work for the first eight years of my career and okay. basically dropped it because I was like, I, I'm tired of fixing other people's stuff and I, I want to create my own stuff. And so that was like, okay, I'm starting from fresh. Like I I really don't know where I'm going or who to contact. I know some people, but it was really just sort of getting my hands dirty mm-hmm. and you know, even with corporate and commercial and uh, doc stuff, that does show your talent. That does show your your yeah. crafting story. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, and that's where again we're we're trying to create emotion. Whether I want that or that's sad, I want to donate or that's amazing, that's cool, I want to be there. You know, mm-hmm. those things are all part of our craft. Yeah. And flexing that and showing and basically proving to yourself you can do it is the first step. And then basically reaching out to all these different people that you can find and be like, well, let's give it a shot, you know, and hey, I want to make sure I'm a fit. You know, there's certain projects where, you know, you're spending a lot of time with these directors. And one of my producers once said is like editors should have a Ph.D. in psychology because they're dealing with (laughs) people in the hardest spots of their life trying to figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. And it's just like okay, I've heard this story and I don't know whether I should respond to it or just keep working or, you know, and at the same time too, we're, we're, we're creating these emotions from people. We're puppet masters and that's awesome. And that's scary at the same time. And so, you know, really is again, try not to doubt yourself and you're going to, and at the same time, just keep trying, keep, keep working at it. And again, show your stuff off. Like even if your your stuff isn't getting into film festivals, I try to send it to other people or yeah. my other editor friends. I'll be like, hey, do you have notes for this? <laughs> uh, even screening uh, test screenings for features that I do, I always always demand a test screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually it's friends and family and stuff, but I'm like, let it rip, guys. We want to hear what's working, what's yeah. not working. Yeah. Figure out if it's a personal thing or if it's a story thing. That's the hardest part to decipher too. Mm-hmm. But that's when I'll bring in people I know or we'll send links to them and be like, because then they start seeing what you can do. And it's like, again, it's that you're networking, you're showing off your your business card is your work. That is literally (laughs) that is why your name means so much. And so, again, it's really reaching out, trying to find people that are like minded with like you and we're trying to get somewhere. And that plants a seed in their head that, oh, yeah, I want to work with them again. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's it's tricky. It's definitely tricky, and it, it's always a fight. No matter how big you are uh, as an editor, actor, you know, any profession, um, you know, it, it's getting past that resume point is probably the biggest thing too. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I just want to meet with them, yeah. you know, because when mm-hmm. you meet with someone, you're like, oh yeah, I can, I, we can talk circles around this project, and you guys are gonna be in line with alignment with me, and I'm gonna be in alignment with you. It's right. really kind of like that's the hardest part starting is really being like, well, can we at least talk? Can I, you know, can I at least get my foot in the door to at least say hi, you know my name, I could be on some other project that comes up in the future from you. Um, So it is, it's just trying to be savvy with that kind of stuff. 
Um, and you know, it, it's definitely, it's a business. It's you're, you're self-employed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just, yeah, don't a lot of the time too, is I didn't say no to a lot of stuff early on and some of that was good and some of that was bad. And of course you learn mm -hmm. and that is part of it too, is it's a learning process, but always make sure you protect yourself too. Um, you know, the biggest thing I've found is early on was creating my own little deal memos where you're not pinned with everything. And it's just, it can be simple. There's, there's good ones online too, that you can see, um, even just like on the editors, um, MPEG, the motion picture of editors guild, mm -hmm. um, they have like a, a sample demo, uh, deal memo it, mm -hmm. things like that, where it's like, it's always a good thing to make sure you're not liable. Um, because you're doing work, things can go sideways for any number of reasons and everyone will try to pin it on you. Um, so having those things to protect you, it, this is a business is huge. Um, and that's something that took me a really long time to, to, to learn because I always give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we are usually the last ones to touch things. And so it's just uh, having sort of a uh, blanket kind uh, of thing where it's like if things go sideways i can walk away you can take your media you'll walk away you know simple little things like that are huge especially for up-and-coming editors it doesn't have to be too complicated it's just making yep. sure you and whatever the other party is is that you know hey like mm -hmm. i'm not liable for any of this stuff you know it's like hey i'm not you know we're making sure i'm not gonna bad mouth you're not gonna bad mouth you know simple things yeah. like that where it's like yeah. This is even my rate, you know, where it's like we're locking in on paper so they can't short you, you know, and that those little things where it's like and I think it was my my wife was the one who was really pushing for this because she was starting to see this where, OK, my job would go on hiatus for a little while. And it's like, well, was that a deal? Were you guys OK with that or not? You know, and it's like. Are you being paid weekly? Are you paying? Are you billing by the day? Like when are you invoicing? You know, things like that where there is a business side to it. I hate the business side yeah. Yeah. Um, because I just want to do this. But at the same time, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the business. Money. We're the talent. Right. Right. It's not for the faint of heart. I always say that. Being a freelancer is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Nope. And at so. the same time, I love it because the next month you have no idea what could be around the corner. Right. You know, it really you it could just be someone all of a sudden reaches out like I just had a um, a director reach out directly to me. So I might have a feature coming up in three months where he wants to co-edit. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally down with that. Nice. Like I can Congrats. walk you through this, you know, where it's like, I know how to do this. And he's like, I love your style and I love your technicality and I know you can do it. And it popped out of nowhere. And so mm -hmm. it's just like, mm -hmm. again, it's that networking. It's that self-branding and, yep. again, showing who you are. You know, that is a big thing, too, is getting that foot in the door. But, again, protect yourself, too. <laughs> right. It's that, that being nice. I mean, it all boils down to, like, being personable and being nice yes. and being you're remembered by your talent. But also, like, this is a guy that I want to hang out with. Or this is a girl I want to hang out with because they – say cool yep. things or you know whatever so it's but, yeah. so true again you spend so much time with these people yeah, where yeah. it's like you know I've, I've worked for some people that i did not like and mm -hmm. it did not make it fun and it made the project very difficult yeah and, for everyone yeah you know and the exactly and that is that's not fun you know but when you're doing something you really love doing and you're having fun oh my god like yeah, yeah let's yeah. keep the ball rolling <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> nice <laughs> Uh, Mike, we, we, we always I like to ask uh, everyone about their f favorite editing or filmmaking book. Do you have one? 
the art of the cut is probably my favorite right now. And, you know, honestly, you know, I'm still so trial by fire, hands on. It's more of watching films and going, oh my God, I haven't thought of doing something like that before. Yeah. Or trying to break things down where, like I said, with even Reservoir Dogs, it was like, that was a huge thing for me because it was like, yeah, that was a practicality thing. Same with Jaws. That was practicality. Jaws yeah. was not supposed to be yeah. like that, you know? And so finding ways around it and, you know, being in the trenches and knowing where it's like, yeah, this is how you do it. And there's a million different ways you can do it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think my favorite thing is, you know, I am such a visual person where it's like, that's why I became an editor. It's like, I see yeah. and I can do, um, and even just going to film school, it was all theory. It was all writing and yeah. I'm not the best writer. I just yeah. can't, I can't put those things it. together, but at the same time, it made me learn about film foundations. And I think yeah. that was probably some of the best teachers I had were we had to watch films like um, we had to watch Donnie Darko and not write about time. And that was like, Ooh, how am I going to write about this film where we don't talk about that date? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all, you're breaking down other pieces of the film. <laughs> um, there was one we had to watch like Mulholland drive. And it was like, well, what do you think? What does this mean? And so you're really sitting there and analyzing and analyzing and analyzing. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah. you know, even if you don't like the film, still breaking it down and sort of going, well, what is that? And again, the the, the biggest thing when you walk out of a film and you're questioning things or you can't stop thinking about it, that's awesome. Yeah. Whether good or bad, you know, exactly. and that's when you walk away from a film, you're like, oh, that was fun. And then you're moving on. It's like, eh, okay, that's a popcorn film, you know? But like yeah, those yeah. ones that you really start thinking and thinking and thinking is like, that's cool. That is so yeah. much fun. And yeah. that's, again, you're you're putting fuel into other people's brains that just can't stop. And so, yeah, yeah I think it is. Yeah. It's just sort of trying to enjoy. Enjoy everything. Give it a shot, you know? <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of those films, for example, for me is... Uh, a Polish film Corpus Christi. Maybe you've seen I've it. Heard I don't of that. know. Yeah, you know. No, I haven't. I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it has been nominated, uh, I think, to Oscars uh, a few years ago, like three years, two years okay. ago. Uh, and and it's one of those films that you know I, I I keep thinking about it. Like I and and for the three or four days after I've seen it for the first time, I was just constantly thinking about it. Like anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm going off track over here. But yeah, no, but anyway, that's I get. Uh, I bring up the mall and drive because I, I still continually, David Lynch is crazy. Um, you know, yeah. but also I love, uh, the one of the ones I loved was, uh, the fountain, uh, by Arnof- Arnofsky, where mm, yeah. it was that sci-fi, but it had, the meaning was really weird. And so mm-hmm. it's really the audience putting together. And part of that is with, we did that in hypochondriac where in our test screenings, people were asking these questions and I'm like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Like, is this character real? And we're like, Oh my God, I never even thought about that. That is those things where it's like, that's awesome. Like I, I want people to question. I want people was what was real and what was not real and letting people decide for themselves. That's awesome. That's really cool. Like inception, you know, it's like, (laughs) is he still there in the dream or not? You know, (laughs) do you have like any message for editors who will listen to it? Anything you'd like to add? You know, don't again don't doubt yourself and when you do 
push through it because it is like I constantly doubt what I can do and I constantly question was that the right call and at the same time it's art you know and it's a, if you feel it in the moment and you do what you think is right and don't give up because I've gone every single diff- different which way in my career and I've met so many different people and so many different projects from the bottom of the barrel to outside the barrel and you know it's really one of those things is if you really do enjoy what you're doing, uh, you're you're going to fight through it and you're going to make it. That's the thing. And it's really up to you to, you know, you set a bar and don't think that it's out of reach and don't make it out of reach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big thing. And so that is where it's, it's small steps. It's not a light switch. It's not, oh, my God, I'm going to be famous in two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's a grind. It is work. You know, we're doing this to be able to enjoy life and at the same time, enjoying what you do. That's just a win. That is a huge win. And I want that for everybody because we're creating content, you know, and people are consuming it. And that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That's really good. Really good. Love it. (laughs) No, you guys are awesome. I'm I'm so happy to finally talk to some editors. This is great. I can say one little thing and you guys like know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, let's hang out. When can we hang out together? Now? Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to have to do like a, a Zoom uh, pub crawl or something. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll do it today. We'll figure it out. You should we'll do so, just even like a, a quick little like, you know, you, you could have 20 editors come together. We could all have a drink and sort of go around the room and just talk. I mean, honestly, that'd be that's so awesome much idea, fun. Actually. Nice to meet you guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Have this you on is... again, maybe for your Please. next uh, the documentary or whatever yeah. this next feature is. Or the next feature, yeah, definitely. Yeah, That'd be feature. awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. it's great so meeting you guys. I'm glad you guys are doing this. This is so cool. Like it, it, it's just I haven't seen anything like this before, and so it's oh. definitely I want to start pushing it out in the world. Also. I love that we get to talk with editors like Mike who are so passionate about their their editing and about the art form. Um, and I love that he loves what we're doing on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, he was yeah. just he, he I mean, we're so lucky with the the people that we get to talk to and Mike is another one of those down-to-earth people who are just stoked to be like they're they're living out their dream. Like this is their dream job. Yeah. You can tell that it's their dream job. Yeah, yeah, that's another conversation that we could just, you know, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, a shameless plug here, but, you know, I loved seeing that a lot of the workflow-related things that he talked about mm-hmm. are just the things that I teach in the editing chef. So a shameless yeah. plug, I know, but... It's relevant. I believe we're, we're delivering, delivering, delivering something great here. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I thought that was awesome, too, because... I was thinking that same thing. He was saying like, oh, do this and do that. And I was like, this is stuff that Peter talks about. Like Mike is more elevated in his career than we are in regards to that, like working in Hollywood and whatever, but also we're like still on the same playing field. Like you heard it in the conversation that we were having. He's like, yeah, that's this. That's what I do that too. Like we're all doing the same thing, regardless of where we are in our careers. We're like coming from the same place and that's super exciting and super inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It also gives us hope. So, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, uh, shoot us a message. Like, we would love to hear for, from you listeners, uh, from you dear listeners. So, yeah. uh, you know, there is this link where you can actually record the question uh, in an audio form. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to it, like if you're that far into the, the episode, you're clearly interested in the topics we talk about. So ask us a question or I don't know, just, you know, say uh, a few nice words or uh, something you're frustrated with or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we would love well. to hear it. So yeah, that's it for today. Until the next time, shoot and edit. Like there's no tomorrow. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help more people discover this show. You can also follow us on Instagram. Just search for at cut to reveal and tell your friends. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to podcast at cut to the point.com. And who knows, maybe we'll use them in the future episodes. And as we say around here, until the next time, shoot and edit like there is no tomorrow. Thank you.